Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is Exhausted and Needs Help. Hands-on, hearts in parenting is exhausting, sleep-deprived, managing the needs of young children, trying to manage the demands of work and life commitments. It's not just all play. One writer described it as mentally, physically, and spiritually exhausting. Another podcast on See Me, Hear Me, Love Me talked about moms carrying the mental load of parenting. I know parents are tired out there, not just sleep deprived, but battered and worn out. Whether you're a mombie, zombie mom or dad, we want to peel away some of the layers on this frustrating and seemingly hopeless reality. Even parents who communicate and share the physical and mental load of parenting are struggling with this. I have two smart, determined, and exhausted moms at the square table with me. I have Lindsay Nyberg and Laura Basili. Let's hear what they attribute their exhaustion to. Lindsay, this is your topic. You've had us laughing pretty regularly on Facebook about life after your second child was born. How would you describe your exhaustion and the challenges of your own functional fatigue? Welcome. What'd you say? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. I think this whole topic started when I ran into Karen in the hallway and I said, you know what, Karen? I started laughing at my shoes today. That's it was just hysterical. Just <laughs> looking at my shoes and I was so out of it, it just made me start cracking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just sleep giggling. Yes, exactly. And this is new because you're not a first-time mom. This right. happened after your daughter was born. Yes, so... And you are pretty typically organized, together, got it all going, just right mom. Right. And so that really uh, threw me for a loop And after having our daughter. So I have my wonderful, supportive husband, Stuart, and I have Jake, who is three and a half. Um, and he'll be four in August. And then we have Lily, who was born November 21st, so she's five months old. And uh, it was a very rough start. I thought for sure she would come out and uh, just be happy, giggly little girl and ready to rock and roll with, uh, you know, our family. And so... It's funny because, so so you did, because she did not sleep well for the first five months. Well, so she was, when she came out, she had swallowed amniotic fluid and it put her in the NICU. 
um, for what was supposed to be three days. And then after that, she caught a staph infection in the NICU. So it put her in there for three weeks. That's where the exhaustion started, is my husband and I running back and forth to the NICU to breastfeed her or to pump um, and just to be with her and then also balance making life as normal as possible for Jake. Um, But we found silliness in the whole thing. You know, we brought Jake to see his baby sister and he couldn't see her because she was in the NICU. So he picked out a baby in the nursery (laughs) and the baby's name was Baby Diaz. (laughs) And he picked that Baby Diaz and he said, is that my sister? I said, absolutely. (laughs) There she is. And it was a boy. You just had to find humor in the whole yeah, yeah. exhaustion thing of running back and forth. And thank God Lily is now just the happiest, smiliest, uh, yeah. sweet And girl. so I want to come back to you. I want to get Laura introduced because, I mean, yes, you've brought humor and you've had us laughing hysterically. Whether it was, you know, who out there is calling the children by the dog's name and the husband by the, you know, just, I mean, you really went in this like somebody (laughs) um, trying to make the best of it. But I know it took its toll, and I know that there there were struggles. And so I do want to come back to the seriousness um, and and then just the honest reality of of transitions that you can't anticipate. So, Laura, when we... This was a big Facebook conversation that um, Lindsay got started for us. And you wrote something that I thought was amazing, and that was, I'm a different kind of exhausted with each of my children. So, hello, and tell us where you are in this. So, I think my sleep deprivation started in pregnancy. (laughs) Like, I remember... You know, that 4 a.m. wake-up call to go to the bathroom just to get, like, three drops out. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a sleeper. I I will say I'm a late-night person. I'm a night owl. I can function perfectly at 1 in the morning, but I need to sleep in the morning. I could have slept, you know, until 11, 12 even. As an adult, as a working adult, on a Saturday, I would be sleeping, at, you know, until that 11 in the morning. That happened for you in five years. Ever. Ever again. I mean, ever since I was pregnant, it never happened again, you know? And so I think I remember those first two weeks of um, my first, my daughter's now four and a half, but I still remember those first two weeks of when I brought her home. It was just, it was like something had hit me on top of the head. Like, what is this? How is this possible? Who who invented this thing, you know? Like, it, it just threw me off totally. And then with her, I was a horrible, horrible sleeper. I was a horrible sleeper. She was a bad sleeper because I was a bad mom, whichever you want, however you want to phrase it. Because I um, tried to be this, you know, super earth mother. Responsive. Responsive. You know, I wouldn't let her sleep anywhere far away from me. Every little sound she made, I picked her up. I would feed her. And I thought breastfeeding cousins was the answer to everything. And Mm. she made, that was, oh, here you go. Here's a boom. And that turned into co-sleeping, and then co-sleeping turned into nursing all night long. So, you know, it starts out as nurse, co-sleeping nursing is kind of easier for you, get more sleep. Once you progress, 
it's really just a crutch and it makes you so much more exhausted. Like I would hear all these other moms who let their kids cry it out and they had wonderful children who slept 14 hours a night plus took two hour naps and they looked so rested and peaceful and here I was trying to be earth mother and doing things the natural way and it was not working for me at all. Well, the sleep podcast for children, we're going to leave separate. Right. Um, and you know we don't think you were a bad mom, and we, you know out there everybody. I'm just listening. saying that's what made me sleep. And those parenting choices don't necessarily make for bad mothers or bad parenting. But they made for bad sleeping. <laughs> wow! But you also let's let me just clarify from the general point of view, and that is. You had a daughter who understood how to request a certain kind of engagement that kept you um, on demand yes. <laughs> in more than just uh, an emotional security way. It, it became a big on-demand way, which is just, Mommy, this is what I demand from you. So, um, but, so I didn't but, make that mistake the second time around. Okay, so, and, and, so can, but, and, and I think the value of that isn't um, is just realizing that we change and we shift our expectations on ourselves and our expectations on how we're supposed to do this. Oh, absolutely. So that freedom to change course, that freedom to say, I want to do it differently the second time, and the confidence that comes with that, I think, is very, very powerful. So with Thomas, you did it differently. So with Thomas, I did it differently, but my sleep exhaustion or my general exhaustion with Thomas is... That when Thomas came, Olivia was in her threes, and she was having these horrible tantrums. Awful, awful, awful. I mean, to the point where I just, you know, I I would have dropped her off in an orphanage if I could have. (laughs) I was just so exhausted. I couldn't take it anymore. But plus, we had bought a new house. Um, My husband's business started really taking off. And that meant I'm involved in his business. So that meant I wanted to work a lot more. I was trying to work a lot more. I wasn't able to get it done, which frustrated me. So I'd do it at night. So I wouldn't sleep because I was working. And I'm a little bit of a neat freak um, or a clean freak at least. So as soon as like my kids were in bed, I was scrubbing floors, you know, which I'm sure is not the best thing for you to do when you're supposed to be getting your rest. But I think the biggest exhaustion thing for me is that when finally everything else is done, I won't put myself to bed, I'll start looking at my phone, mm-hmm. watching a movie, and I justify it because I'm like, this is me time. And the justification of that. And, and in the article that you shared, Lindsay, it, there was that comment about the do-it-all moms. And, and so the question, I think a big question of this, because I think it goes beyond the sleep. It goes to, do you allow yourself a time to rest. Do you allow yourself downtime? And that's where I think that mental load of mothering really weighs on mom's shoulders because it just feels like such a huge commitment and engagement that the old formula of benign neglect of, yeah, the floors will get washed, the children are going to grow, we're going to be resilient, resourceful, um, and the baby stage is so demanding, but it's even when you have two it's not even just the baby stage it's the the needs of that older child that you don't want to feel neglected or short um short changed so i want to ask about the do it all momness and i want to ask about um the honesty with which you allow yourself to rest. Because I think that's a huge insight into uh, this is me time and the me time isn't serving you well. 
I just felt, and I still feel, so guilty. And I put so much pressure on myself to, you know, I just feel guilty asking for help. I mean, God bless my mother and father and because they'll just jump in whether you ask they just say go you we're, we need you need help we're coming in to help they we'll. they they f- almost force their way in because they know when I'm about to break down yeah yeah, yeah. and they're like go thank goodness go yeah. get a manicure go do something for yourself you know it's just it, it, there's a lot of guilt in in taking that time and, and stepping away just to can have I, me time. Can you say why? Where does the mother guilt come? Is it because it's different and dads don't feel that same kind of. I feel like burden. if I step away, that either A, something's not going to be done right, which means my way, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is not always right because my husband is incredible at, you know, handling the kids and, yeah. you know, our parents are great at handling the kids and. You know, babysitters can do just as good of a job. It's just, it's a trust issue, and it's nobody's going to do it as, nobody's going to do it as good as me. And it's also, am I missing out on something with my kids? So, like, this is a perfect opportunity for me to paint with Jake. And if I go get a massage or get my nails done, I mean, what's Jake going to think? You know, mm. I'm, I'm taking that time away from him yeah. and using it on myself. As the days go on, I'm realizing I'm a better mom when I go do something for myself. And emotionally, and it comes back, I mean, without me, just as an example, we don't have to be talking about the specifics, but it goes back to that thing with Olivia, where when you can say, you got this, you don't, you think you need me this way, but really you are resilient and resourceful as a child and you have all these other strategies and you have all these other people that can meet your needs and you have resources within yourself to meet those needs and keep yourself engaged and busy. Um, really, it's not just for that you're not a better, you're not just a better mom. They socially and emotionally find skills and depth and confidence that they won't have when you're completely on demand and at their disposal. Since I've been taking time for myself lately and I've come to terms with I need it, all of a sudden now Jake is, I mean, he's always been a very independent kid and always can take care, you know, of his needs and, you know, play by himself, whatever he needs. But I'm noticing he's, you know, getting a snack for himself. He's going, um... If, if he sees his sister crying, he'll say, oh, mommy, she needs a bottle. He'll so step into he, responsibility he, he, he ste- yeah, and he, care and He's empathy. stepping it up. Yeah. He's absolutely stepping it up. And I'm realizing, hey, it's a win-win. I'm getting time for myself, and my child is thriving because of this. I just got to keep going with it. But you're right. It takes that moment of trust, and it, and it says that it won't all fall apart if I step back, um, and that... It does allow someone else to fill that whole space that that you might try single-handedly to to fill, which which is the burden that is impossible. Right. And sadly, you could, parents can get burned out by third grade. I mean, you know, you see children, you know, in sports and all these things so early, and it's all wonderful. But if the price of that is by the time they're in third grade, you're completely exhausted when they're coming home from school, then you have then 
they're going to miss out on a really important 10 years. I also think there's an emotional exhaustion that you feel. And I know, at least with my first, I try to be always happy, always polite, always role modeling. You know, I would never just take something away from her because it was unsafe. It would always be with an explanation, a song. I don't know. It would probably even tap danced at some point for her. And, you know... I thought I could sustain that yeah. because that was the perfect parent and that's what you were supposed to do. And I realized I, I was born. I, I did not want to be a mom anymore. I hated I got to a point where I hated being a mother. Yeah. And that was an awful point. That's an awful point to be at. But you know what? I'm glad you've already been through I mean, that. That, that. You hit rock bottom because when you think you've I want to drop my kid off at an orphanage. <laughs> but you've already gotten through that and you've bounced back. And you're absolutely. redefining those relationships. So I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. My husband and I contemplated having a second child. And then, you know, we really put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> and, um, you know, and we're, we're so happy she's here and part of our family. And now we have people saying, oh, when are you having your third? <laughs> I said, listen, we're not even getting a goldfish. <laughs> there will be no third. <laughs> yeah. But to give yourself time... To, to to enjoy what's already here and to and because these stages of development I mean that was the podcast a few weeks ago I mean there are some stages that are just gonna knock you off your bait off your off your ground completely and so you have to have the tools and the and the emotional power to come back and and take care of yourself and be there for your children but let's go back to that emotional exhaustion of um, of, of trying to, where is it worse now to try to be that tap dancing parent because of parenting in the fishbowl and parenting with all these, these, these perfect role models and these perfect scripts of how you're supposed to be doing it? There is some pressure from the outside world. Um, I'll give you an example. The other day we um, were renting out a condominium. It's in a horseshoe setting. So crossing that street, I mean, it's not really a street. It's just uh, from where the condominium is to the pool, you know? So And it's got speed bumps. So do cars go through there? Yes, absolutely they do. Um, do I feel safe letting my four-year-old cross that street by herself while I'm on one side and my mother's on the other? Yes, I have absolutely no problem with that. And just a little anecdote, that's where I grew up, and I used to be out on that street playing by myself all the time. So I have absolutely no qualms about it. And... Um, a woman, an older woman, saw her crossing the street with me there and my mother on the other side of that street. And she says, oh, are you crossing the street by yourself? You shouldn't be crossing the street by yourself. You know, and you get those kinds of moments yeah. all the time. The other day, she thought I had gotten out of the house. And I'd come back in the house, but I came in through the front door and she didn't see me. So she went out the house and one of my neighbors found her out there. I trust my daughter to know by four and a half not to go into the street when the car is coming. In fact, she's very cautious, and she even makes me stop. Like, if we're bicycling, she wants me to, you know, not just pull over. She wants me to stop. So she's very cautious in that sense. I don't have a problem with it. But you should have seen that neighbor's face. I mean, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you don't know my child, and you don't know how I parent and and you know but sometimes I say to her she says to me why can't I stay out here you know planting this plant by myself if you have to go in and cook because I'll say okay Olivia we have to go inside I have to go cook she says why can't I stay and I said 
because the neighbors are going to think I'm a bad mom. <laughs> it's our joke. It really yeah, is. Yeah. And that's it. But the whole sleep thing, that came out of books. When, when, yeah. when the ori- those original parenting decisions that you were making, because you were choosing things that oh, were yeah. very different from how you were raised. Or um, blogs. You know, blogs. sometimes you're silly enough to read things on Facebook and think, like, Oh, this is. <laughs> it sounds like something I want to be. Yeah, yes, you have exactly. all of these. Oh, yeah. These identities that you can pull. Yeah, this is my kind of mom. This is my kind of mom. This is my kind of mom. And half of those don't even go together because it's the the mom who's the perfect date on Saturday night and wakes up never cranky and all of those things. Yeah. And so, if you allow yourself to be cranky and if you allow yourself to be mean. And, you know, you can afterwards say to your child, look, I'm being mean mom right now because I'm really frustrated. Right. I always tell Jake, I say, listen, Jake, I'm not octopus woman. And he cracks <laughs> up because he's like, mommy, get this, mommy, get that. And then the baby's crying. And then my husband's like, oh, I'm home. And, you know, it's just, yeah. it, 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 it's sometimes it's a circus. and uh, It is a circus. It, I, I think, I mean, is there any avoiding that? You can plan and plan and plan until you're blue in the face, and that's what I learned because I am the planner. And no matter how much you plan, one of your circus members is going to blow it for you. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) One of my clowns. Okay, so now I want the other thing that you sent to me was the the conversation, the mom who wrote a letter to her husband. And... um, and so ha- we, let's talk about having that conversation with your marital partner and or other family members about what kind of help you need for your sanity and for your children's well-being. I've asked for help here and there, but I notice once I get the help, I almost push it away because I want to do it myself and I want to be that super mom. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, I have my husband who would say, Lindsay, we need to get a babysitter. We need to get a nanny. And that makes me, at at first I felt horrible. I'm like, oh man, he must be thinking like, I'm not not good enough. I'm I'm not not doing it right. You know, I, I can't, I can't do this whole mom thing. And, um, you know, logical Lindsay knows that I'm doing a great job, and then I have emotional Lindsay who's falling apart. And you thank know, you for saying that. I yeah. mean, because you know, we live in a world where the hold it together side is a lot stronger than the fall apart side, mm-hmm. and we need people to say that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's another thing I've learned since having a second child is. I just don't care what people think anymore. I really don't, you know. But you do care. But so, you, but it was, it is, and it is hard with your. But to say it, to to say it to yourself, right. and to say it, you know, with that true intimacy with Stuart. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, for him to to say, you know, let's get somebody once a week. I finally broke down and said, you know what. My daughter is waking up every three to four hours for the past four. She's five months old, and it just stopped. She just started sleeping 12 hours. Yay. She went from every four to 12 Yay. as soon as she turned five months old. So for the first five months, you know, I don't even know what end is up. And, it, you know, my husband, being the logical person that he is, says we need help. We need to get somebody. Now, we just got our first babysitter. Um, because we can't just call on our parents all the time. They're retired. And, and you're going back to work. And, and they, yeah, and they, and they want to enjoy their grandchildren without yeah. just always having to babysit. 
And so we we hired a babysitter, and we just had our first uh, date night <laughs> in a very long time. And you had fun. Yes. Nice. Yes. And I don't feel guilty about it anymore. I really don't. Thank goodness. It feels good. Thank goodness. Um, the other thing I want to put out there, because um, it, it happened on our nanny's podcast, but I think um, it's just something to comb- put on, to tag onto this, and that is when you have that pressure to do it all yourself or to do it right, sometimes you, when you bring in hired support, they never quite do it right. And there is so much stress and drama then around finding the perfect person because nobody else is ever going to meet your expectations because no, you can't meet your own expectations. So I just want to say sometimes asking for help, paying for help, um, make it's it's almost like what you were saying before, Laura. Like I'm I'm doing something for self care, but I'm not. It's really not fixing the, the 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 emotional struggle. And so it's that idea of really being honest with ourselves about um, finding a way for that other person to live up to your expectations, and then finding the way to take it, to really know what you need for self care. Laura, uh, I think you're in a different situation uh, in terms of communicating uh, and what kind of hands-on support you get from, you, you have no family in town, and, um, and your husband has a new business that takes him to Miami regularly. Every day. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so the way the help came into my life was through my mother-in-law, actually, and um, she was here visiting for about a month um and it was an unexpected visit because she was supposed to be actually at her other son's but then um came back to our house and so that was um you know an unexpected visitor but it was great because I thought oh now I'm gonna get all these things done because I'm gonna leave Thomas with my mother-in-law and it turns out well she doesn't drive she doesn't speak English she doesn't this she doesn't that so she's a great grandmother with him but you know, I'd send them off to the park, and what would I do? I'd clean house. I'd straighten up. I'd put the books in alphabetical order from <laughs> tall to small, right? So that was me. So my mother-in-law, and I keep saying to her, I don't understand why I don't get anything done. She says, because you spend all your time cleaning, you have to stop cleaning. And I was like, I can't stop cleaning. I can't function if my house isn't in order and clean. And with two kids, it's never going to really be that way. About you. Oh, yeah. Um... Um, so we were at the park the last week she was here. We were at the park at the carousel and we ran into the old, my old, um, cleaning lady. And she said, oh, I remember you. You have to come back to Lara's house. And she said, oh, I can't come back, but I can send my daughter. And I don't know this person and I'm not here hiring anyone. She says, yeah, you'll come twice a week, please. And I thought, well, and you're not even paying for this. And you're, you know, sticking me with the bill and you're sticking me with the person who I don't know. And. You know, so I said, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do the follow-up. Yeah, 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 I'll do the follow-up. And I never thought of calling. Well, the Sunday, Sunday night, she call, the daughter calls me and says, okay, I'll be there Monday morning at 30. And I said, oh, 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 okay. And here I am mortified because I don't like my cleaning lady to see that my house is messy. Right, right. I'm, I'm that kind of person. <laughs> and so she comes, and she came twice a week, and it was just the most fabulous thing. And now she's been coming regularly, and... I have never felt happier or felt more helped. Yeah. And now I can finally say, yeah, let's go to the park. 
you know, yeah, let's hang out in the park all afternoon. I don't have to go home and go do dishes. And I don't have to, you know, pick up Olivia's room for her because guess what? I'll get picked up tomorrow. And but eventually you said yes. So. Oh, I, I was kind of forced into it, but it was yeah. the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, at the time I was so offended that she was, you know, contracting people on my behalf. And now I'm like, oh, what a godsend, you know? This, allow- this allows for a whole new chapter of my life. <laughs> Is that, right. is that strange? I'm, oh, then there's guilt in that, too, because when you tell other people that you have somebody come to your house, clean your house twice a week, they're like, oh! Right, so how are you managing the guilt? Oh, I don't. I, don't, I just don't care. I, I'd rather have a clean house than manage guilt. Right, you just say, thank you very much for that thought <laughs> yeah, and opinion. That's and, just uh, us, yeah. you know. And, and so now you've been exhausted. You've been laughing at the circus. And now starting tomorrow, you're back working with us as a teacher. Yes. So you're upping the ante on your game just as you've come up for air. I am. That's who I am. I'm just go, 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 go. And I realized that I need this. I'm in love with my job. I love teaching. And I need this as my break, Mm -hmm. even though some people would say, oh, teaching's not a break. You're with kids. It's my break because it's what I love to do. And so I'm there. I'm with my peers, with other teachers, laughing, going through the motions, doing, practicing our craft that, you know, we're really good at. And in addition to coming back to Benitora, even if it's only for the month of May, I also teach online at night and I private tutor once a week. And it sounds like a lot. But you know what? I need it. And it's when I go to work, even if it's just online for 25 minutes, I feel a different kind of purpose besides just the purpose of mom. Um, And did you ever feel guilty about that work purpose? No, no. It it really, I feel important. I feel, um, I feel like a sense of normalcy when I'm at work. And and what you're... The role model for children to see their parent, both parents, in some way contributing to to the world with talents or passion, it, it makes such a huge difference. And the research is really, really clear. Moms of daughters, who moms who work outside the home with daughters who have daughters who feel like they can do, they, they have a contribution to make right. to the world. And it's not um, a nine to five job, you know, and it's only for the month of May. But I'm doing outside work, tutoring, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so. But a sense of purpose and professionalism. Right. Yeah. See, for me, it's, a, you know how you asked, is there guilt involved? For me, the guilt is involved in not giving enough to the business. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things, so many ideas I have, so many things that I'd like to do to produce. And I get so frustrated because maybe I'll start it when Thomas is napping and it'll get interrupted. Mm-hmm. Or I know I can't make that follow-up call because if that person calls me back in a moment that's not nap time or sleep time, They'll think that I'm, you know, what business am I calling where there's a three, you know, you know, right. a one and a half year old screaming in the background. And so sometimes I'll get a phone call on my phone with an unknown number and that'll send me into panic because I want to be that really responsive executive that, you know, answers all your questions. But then I'm like, I also have to, you know, be with Thomas and it's Thomas time. What is he going to think if I'm always on the phone, you know? I mean, well, two things. So. First of all... <laughs> My first thought that I want to mention is just uh, there's no doubt that when you re-enter the workforce in any capacity after having children, it's very different than the kind of work person you were 
beforehand. I mean, I always say to teachers, you know, you're not going to go back and be the same teacher you were without before you had children. Um, you're not going to be that same executive that could give a thousand percent. So there's that point to make. But the other one that's got me a little bit tripped up is you just said something that Lindsay said a second ago, and that is, what would Thomas think of me? <laughs> and and that is a bit of a baffling comment to me because I know your children are seeing you with interest, respect, um, curiosity. Um, they aren't bringing judgments. <laughs> um, and and if there's a question like mommy why don't you do this the way this this other mommy that I'm comparing you to at this moment or why can't you be on you know why why aren't you octopus mommy it's it comes from such a present moment that every any answer you give that comes with you know, just confidence and stability, like, I'm not octopus mom, or that's right, I have to answer the phone because mommy and daddy are making this big, big business for us all. You know, like, you come up with one answer, you're done. All you have to have is the answer that says, here's how you here's how you frame this question or this comment. It's, but the thought <laughs> that they are judging you for your grown-up choices... Well, I'm, I'm a, but I think I think that we put those adult thoughts in these little people brains and bodies. You're nodding. Um, explain that process. It's real. It's oh, real. Yeah. There's so much, um, you know, in the media and on social media uh, with your peers, you know, and there's just so much pressure and. You know, you get to this point where you truly believe that your child is judging you. (laughs) Whenever my child picks up any object, and he can pick up anything from a pen to a dry erase board to a necklace, it doesn't matter, and he'll hold it up to to his ear, and he'll start saying, hello, 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 and I think, oh! Okay. I'm talking on the phone too much. But the flip the script to that is, look, Thomas thinks I'm on the phone. Why would he think that? Because I'm working. Then you just come back and say, Thomas, are you working? Daddy would be so proud. You're going to be in business with mommy and daddy. I mean, I have this thing that many years ago, I did a a parenting thing in Seattle. And somebody has asked the question, um, how much um, screen time is okay? And I said, you know, I'm not going to give you an answer. And part of the the mantra of this presentation was dare to suck, um, which was just, you know, just be ready for improv. Know that sometimes you're going to make mistakes. You know, be ready to be the mistake-making, self-correct. Um, find find your flaws kind of parent. And the mother said, well, I, I have to put, I said, I can't tell you. I mean, they're like, this whole room of hundreds of people would judge this mother if she said how many hours she was sitting her twins in front of screens. And I said, what's going on? And she said, the only way I can work is if I set them in front of a screen. And I said, so instead of bribing, instead of feeling guilty, instead of bringing all of those complicated ambiguous emotions that are that 
absolutely make your children look at you like, mom's clueless, mom's struggling, mom isn't my stable anchor in the world. What if you just own the experience that said, you know what, I don't love you on screens, but I need to work. And if that helps you sit quietly while I work, then you're helping mom do something really important. And you can own who you are and all of the choices you're making just by framing it with that honesty that says to your children, yeah, mommy talks on the phone and it's okay. So what if this whole conversation about self-care, about exhaustion, about trying to be it all, at the very, very base of it has this thing that says, I have to be accepting of who I am as a person, as my emotions, as my struggles, as the, as the things I can't predict, like a child in NICU or a husband traveling or gra- grandparents that are across the world. Life isn't perfect, but you guys are such incredible parents and you're you're raising children in beautiful families. I'm here to give you like I'll give you all the gold stars that says, <laughs> you know, you your children are thriving in this. They are. The second I see my daughter laughing or Jake giving me a big hug and saying I love you, that's that's the moment where I'm like, okay. Yeah. It's all worth it. It's all worth no it. No matter what I do, no matter what the house looks like or what people think or what I think of myself, when I know that those two kids are happy and thriving, that's it. That's and even if you're only on four hours of sleep, if you hold that truth in your heart, right. you're good. And mix Ish. it with some coffee. <laughs> and some coffee with a nice little heart on top of it. <laughs> yeah. You're that mom that makes heart-shaped pancakes. <laughs> See, she's already like added three more things that perfect moms would do. All right, let's wrap up. I know you've kind of already said your wrap up, um, but there's so much to talk about. And 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 if you want to say more about communication, and there's just I just know we didn't we barely got to it. But um, how have you got this for right here for right now, given all of the stresses, the demands, the unpredictability of where you are? I think I've got it because as much as I'd like to do for um, my work and my personal contribution to the work, I also know that very soon my son will be in school, and when he's in school, I'll be able to do all the things. Well, I won't be able to do all the things, but I'll be able to contribute more um, completely and fully. And I know that, you know, in very short amount of time, both my kids will be probably in school and sports, and they'll probably come home at 6 o'clock at night, you know, and that'll, that I know that's around the corner because I've seen that happen with my daughter. You know, she went to being on me 24-7 to now being in school five days a week until 3 p.m., you know, being in aftercare, loving aftercare, yes. you know, and, and, and those kinds of so things. So maybe you weren't such a bad mom. When you were doing all that beautiful attachment stuff. Maybe not, but, you know, so you see that, and, and I'm okay with, you know, not being this amazing professional right now because I know that I can be that Because you're still an amazing woman. Thank you. Lindsay. I've got this with the humor, for sure. You have to laugh at yourself, you know, for all of those parents out there that are just don't know what end is up. You have to know that there's this light at the end of the tunnel, that when your kids are smiling and happy and 
running around, just hugging you, kissing you, you know you've got this. And I, and I want to add that self-awareness of you being able to come here and choose this topic and admit the emotional struggle that, that, that gets so overwhelming sometimes. I admit I'm exhausted and I'm <laughs> on my way out of it. <laughs> I love you both. Thanks so much. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to The Front and the Follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.